Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 12th of March 2013. I always start off by advising any newcomers to the broadcast to tune in to CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. You find well over a a thousand audios for download for free. And you can go through the history of the system that you're born into. It's a system that the media doesn't tell you about. It's a system they don't tell you about in school. That's all part of the system, of course. But we, when we're born, we, we take everything for granted because it's simply there. Whatever is there, it must be natural because it's simply there. That's money. That's all other stuff that goes on and you accept is quite normal. And yet most folk never question these things throughout their lives, even to who gets the authority to manage the money. It's just like gravity. It's higher angels or something like that. And that's as far as most poor people go. And, of course, school doesn't encourage you to look through and find out for yourself either. So I go through this system of the big foundations set together in a big, big club at the beginning of the 20th century. They actually were in existence under different names before that. And they formed the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations across the world. And they admit themselves that put every prime minister and president in the Western world for the last hundred years. So it doesn't matter what party you vote for. Uh, the, the, these big guys that were comprised of the international bankers of the day uh, formed the League of Nations, the United Nations. They formed, they drafted up, in fact, this whole amalgamation for the European Union. In Canada, the CFR branch uh, in the States, uh, tri- they drafted up the ones for the American integration. And, of course, they did the same thing, too, with the Pacific Rim uh, countries as well, through the Institute of Pacific Relations, another part of the CFR. So the big, big plan was set out a long time ago for mass movements of people, especially from third world countries into the Western countries, not to help people out, but really to destroy existing cultures. They bring in a new society altogether by destroying all the old cultures. It was the cultures that stopped these money boys from taking over before. Most folk like their culture, doesn't matter who they are and where you live, you like your culture. And they tended to, f- to fight these guys from taking over in the past through many, many centuries. So the obvious battle plan was to destroy all cultures. Massive propaganda, massive immigration, plus telling people eventually to keep their cultures as they came into countries. And so you have all these split up units all over the place, all cities with different segregations and so on going on. And at the same time, they try and give you a new culture, which is no culture at all. In fact, no one's going to stand together with anybody else against evil anymore. And that's the, that's how you fight warfare. There's many ways to fight war. Many, many ways. Economic is one, but mass migration is another. And as I say too, uh, it was all set up long before you were born, before your parents were born. This long-term plan for a world government system run by authoritarian uh, bureaucrats, basically, unelected. And they've admitted from their own club of Rome 
uh, that uh, this big think tank that uh, democracy would never work. They will use democracy to fool the people and to get the whole thing together so that people will promote all these wars across the world and so on under the guise of bringing democracy, but not but in actual fact springing in as a totalitarian regime worldwide. Therefore, the big boys themselves and all the scientists that work with them and, that, and then those in, in the academy, they can also work together to bring in the proper society where people know their place, know their status, and you'll be given your job, basically, assigned it to, at your early school at five years of age. They'll, they'll train you just for one thing, if they need you. But down the road, they've also said, too, they won't allow anybody to be born if they don't need those people to grow up and fill this job or that job. They'll simply have sterilization. And they're out in the open with it today. You hear it all the time. I've read lots of articles here from the big boys. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and as most of you might know, I've had trouble with ExploreNet satellites for a long time, on and off actually, and every so often when they're doing their new drives for whatever it is they're driving for, um, they, they start slowing your speed down, cutting you off, all that kind of stuff, and some days I have no internet at all, other days it'll connect, uh, other times it'll just crawl along, other times it'll just speed up for, for no reason at all. And then they'll go through the usual stuff. Well, it must be your equipment and so on, which is nonsense because this stuff was replaced a couple of years ago. I don't, it was only a couple of years old then, in fact. But uh, they're trying to get everybody else onto their new satellite system and to get the whole new kit and caboodle with the new addition and, and all the gear that goes with it, a lot of cash. You see, that's what it's about. And, um, and at the, here right now, too, there had, it was a massive melt over the last few days of heavy snow, deep, deep snow. It's not gone, believe you me, but it's down a bit, and uh, the roads are flooded too, and there's so much moisture in the air, even the telephone starts to crackle because there's so much moisture on all the lines everywhere, completely misty and foggy. Anyway, that's what's been happening here, but getting back to, to this world, this world, as I say, is run by design. And uh, every, integrally, too, very intricate, because uh, it's so perfect, in fact, children going into kindergarten will get early indoctrination into the big changes uh, that they'll experience eventually throughout their lives. They get it at the start, so it's familiar with, in, in their head, the idea of whatever it happens to be, a whole bunch of things, in fact. And uh, that's how precisely we are indoctrinated. Bertrand Russell tried experimental schools. And he, he said that if we can get the parent, uh, children at a very young age, kindergarten, he said with scientific indoctrination, he said that they won't listen to their parents. He said their parents are contaminated, the same term that the communists used, by the way. In other words, they had old-fashioned ideas, they had a cultural idea. That's what meant by old-fashioned, you had your culture with its rules and regulations that made you survive for maybe thousands of years. That had to be destroyed. So they needed a new generation to come up that would, wouldn't even listen to their parents. That was augmented by, at school, of course. 
during the communist uh, era uh, in the 60s too in the US they said don't trust anybody over 30 and then they started dropping the age all the time and then of course the the culture creators from Hollywood and so on start putting forth all the movies just aimed at young people until you get ridiculous scenarios when there's when there's doctors and surgeons there about 20 years of age and these, these serials that give you these dramas <laughs> which is all, all nonsense but the whole idea was to separate the generations and make each upcoming generation have nothing in common with the older ones. In fact, they wouldn't even speak to them. Because, after all, you see, culture is intergenerational. It's very important to understand. It's very simple. And most folk growing up in the past had grandparents, even, you know, grandparents. Not kidding. And, and parents, too, generally, too. And the, the, the information was passed on. And that's how you learn growing up about all the cons that politicians and governments had pulled in the past. You learned real history from the people who lived through it, not from the revised books that come afterwards. So that was to be destroyed, and it's been awfully successful. So as I say, uh, they go for the children. And it's a very old science. As I say, Beria talked about that. He was head of Comintern in the Soviet Union. Comintern was the international young communist and so on. And even Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau, when he was a young guy, he led the Canadian de- delegation to Moscow. He was the head of the Comintern for, for Canada. Eventually made him Prime Minister under the guise of Liberal. But anyway, as I say, you're living through a plan, a long, long-term plan that was to completely turn upside down all established institutions. And I don't mean just your governmental institutions, I mean Tom, your whole cultural institutions, your normals, all the things that were normal. Things that give you a society that was safe to live in, a society you could walk in the streets at night and go home, and no one would bother you or mug you or anything like that. And uh, everyone knew the rules and regulations, very simple rules and regulations. You didn't need lots of cops at all because you had very little crime. And, of course, it's just escalated since the so-called cultural revolutions of the 60s in every country, first of all country, has escalated all the chaos. And more chaos to come as well. Now, the governments have a big plan because they say they're all run by one organization at the top and uh, they use different names for it, but generally it's the Royal Institute of International Affairs and Council on Foreign Relations. And um, Canada changed its name recently, but it's still the same group because there was too many folk talking about it. They have them in Australia, New Zealand, all the old British Commonwealth countries, they've got them in India, and they have them in, uh, in many other countries since then, even in Europe. And all the members of Parliament, the European Parliament now, the, the commissariats at the top there, they actually are all members of the European branch of Council on Foreign Relations, and George Soros is at the top of that. So you're living through a planned plan change, massive changes, and it's ongoing all the time. At this stage, too, uh, uh, austerity has to be brought in. It was decided long before they collapsed the banks by design. The banks crashed when it was time to crash them to bring in austerity and plunder you into more debt because bankers live off debt and they control nations by having perpetual debt. So debt is fantastic for them and they lost nothing themselves. Whatever they squandered or went off into money heaven as they like to call it, I'm sure they still have the keys to that place but they got bailed out by the taxpayers and many generations to come will still be paying that off so it's worked out awfully well for them. But you're also seeing, too, your governments going overboard as they're trading you without telling you that you don't live in democracies anymore. 
Europe live in authoritarian societies, exactly which was planned a long, long time ago. H.G. Wells was a propagandist for the Fabian Society, and that's just a left-wing branch of the Royal Institute of International Affairs. See, every side is catered to by the same bunch. Every single side. And every young group that grows up too are given different choices of the groups they want to join. As whatever you feel, whatever your chip in the shoulder is for a certain age, there's already made group for you to join. It'll get you nowhere, mind you, but uh, it'll keep you busy or occupied for a while. So everything is completely catered to, completely catered to. Most of your thoughts are all given to you by media and... Um, and the, the, actually, people like Kissinger, Brzezinski, Brzezinski admitted that, in fact. He said, shortly, the public will be unable to reason for themselves. They will expect the mainstream media, which is privately owned, remember, and all the editors and owners are members of the Royal International Affairs. He says, uh, eventually, they'll, they'll expect the media to do their reasoning for them. Now, sadly, that's happened. Most folk do. If the media tells you a little story without telling you uh, what to think about it, then the folk won't think about it. They just switch off because they have been trained for an awful long time now to be given the conclusion about the story and what to think about it or how to, as I say, feel about it. That's a new term. You feel things. You don't think about things. So you're in an authoritarian system and uh, it's, it's going the whole way now, going the whole way. I can remember back in the, the 70s, some of these big boys at the top in the Royal Institute of International Affairs said in their own writings, and Kissinger did too, uh, it, it said that uh, the changes that are coming will be even bigger than the, the Industrial Revolution, where, where millions of people across Europe were moved off their land. They used to be farmers and small farmers and so on. They were self-sufficient people. In order to get the, the new uh, thrown up factory towns occupied by new workers there. And that was awfully successful too because Lord Rothschild, if you look up your history books, uh, once he got in there as a lord in the House of Lords, he put through the Corn Law Act where they could dump foreign food and grain in Britain at a cheaper price than they could get in Britain. And that put the guys out of business and that's how they do things in, in real life. There's no such thing as morality in business like that, especially with the people who have nothing in common with the people that they want to rule over. Nothing in common at all. So it's all been awfully successful. And Agenda 21 is much the same. But today, of course, you have massive movements of migration. They said this would happen. Massive movements of, of migration from all over. People looking for the best health care, the best welfare state, and so on. And Britain's a basket case with them because they've been ordered by the EU Parliament that, that nobody wants, that is not democratic, to take them all in and give them and put them up and so on. And the country's already sunk with too many folk and too many unemployed people, too much unemployed, massive, massive debt. And this adds to their debt. But that's that's designed, destroy everything that was and out of the turmoil, you bring out the new society where no one really has a culture at all eventually, including the, incomer, the newcomers. They'll lose them in, in a, a couple of generations. They'll lose that too. And everyone will be obedient to the state, very much like George Orwell had in 1984. 
Uh, you find the same thing in the writings, as I say, of H.G. Wells, that, who said eventually government's main goal will be achieved where where the government talks right down to the individual. There'll be no family members standing up for them because there won't be any families as such. No local community standing up for them. Nobody to help you. And government will be your big brother, you see. And that's here too. So all the stories that you read about the world should give you all the clues that you need. You know that uh, since 9-11, all the plans that came out after 9-11 were made long, long before 9-11 for basically martial law type systems, loss of all rights, etc. All drafted up long before and agreed internationally. That's why they all put the same bills through at the same time. They're already drafted up long, long before. And remember, that tells you that all these countries, all the countries, are part of the same one institution. There's a private organization that runs them. We don't elect any of these guys from the foundations. Uh, they're unelected too, and uh, they're all issue for international affairs. But have, have nothing to do with those guys. Most of them don't even know who they are, because they don't think they even exist until they're told. But so I'll go into some more of this and how everything's changed and the changes to come after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the system and the fact that at this stage of it too, there's so much going on, it's pointless even trying to keep up. As long as you understand the agenda, you understand how it all fits together, nothing surprises you anymore and nothing really angers you anymore because you you know what they've written in the past, everything they wanted to do. It's the same with the entire Middle East situation and all the countries that they wanted to take out before 9-11 happened because the project for New American Century, PNAC Group, published it all, and so did the Israeli papers, that all those countries tallied together, the same countries. And what you're seeing now, too, uh, is the, the, the tried, the, exactly as Brzezinski said, too, the color revolutions, where they sent in thousands of students over years, actually, to infiltrate certain countries, to start organizations up that would protest in the streets and eventually hopefully lead to overthrow of those those different countries. And lots of funding came from it too, but not even the sources that it came through as well. And when that fails, they bring in the hard power. The hard power uh, they call uh, generally rebels, people who are rebelling against something, which isn't true because every other, every other battle uh, or war where the U.S. and Britain's in, involved in, they call them insurgents. In other words, people come from other countries uh, to fight, like in Afghanistan. And then what you've got in places like Syria, they're not rebels at all, they're paid mercenaries, most of them, and they're from all other countries too. They're, they are real insurgents, you see, because Syria must be taken down like all the rest and brought back to the Stone Age, and then all the mineral wealth and anything else they find there is up for grabs by the big boys before they even start in the wars, actually. That happened with Tony Blair. It was admitted that the heads of all the big oil companies met with Tony Blair one at one at a time, long before the Iraq war started, before they were invaded, uh, to get bids in for the big oil fields there. And that's, you divvy up the spoils, right, to the victor of the spoils, you see. Now, 
we can see this article here to show you the authoritarian system, because even the general public, they generally are really out of things. They don't really care. They really don't care what's happening. We've heard our whole lives about wars over there somewhere. It's always over there, far away from you. And the public don't really know what's going on and the real reasons for them uh, and so on. And they don't feel affected by it, even though they should be, because the, all the tab for that, the, the debt, is, is added to their, to their bills, basically, the taxpayers. But you being taught now that this authoritarian system in all respects, and even the camouflage of, of, of deception. Remember, all propaganda is not meant to fool an enemy. It's meant to fool your own people, the people you rule over. That's what propaganda is for. Because you must get the people on board for a war to start off. That's what the new project for New American Century said. We need something on the scale of a Pearl Harbor event to get all this, these plans through, meaning taking out all these countries. And so they got it. You know, they're awfully lucky, guy, these guys. They're eh? terribly lucky to get what they want. But anyway, here's an article here to show you uh, that technically we're living in a system, uh, and it's always really been this way, because propaganda's always been used for invasions and, and, and stealing, stealing, you know, resources and so on. But they're, they're even shedding that at times now, too. They don't need so much propaganda, because most folk don't care. But it says the U.S. and Europe is in a major airlift of arms to Syrian rebels, which is insurgents, the paid mercenaries, through Zagreb. And the U.S. Uh, has coordinated a massive airlift of arms to Syrian rebels from Croatia with the help of Britain and other European states, despite the continuing European Union arms embargo. So there's your doublespeak. It's supposed to be an arms embargo, but behind the scenes they're shipping massive amounts of arms to try and finish off Syria. And it says, um, decisions by William Hague, the foreign secretary, to provide non-lethal assistance <laughs> and trading us for your benefit, announced in the past week were preceded by much greater, though less direct, Western involvement in the rebel cause, according to create newspaper. It was claimed 3,000 tons of weapons dating back to the former Yugoslavia have been sent in 75 plane loads from Zagreb airport to the rebels, largely via Jordan, since November. And the story confirmed the origins of ex-Yugoslav weapons seen in the growing numbers in rebel hands in online videos as described last month by the Daily Telegraph and other newspapers but suggest far bigger quantities than previously suspected. The shipments were allegedly paid for by Saudi Arabia at the bidding of the United States with assistance of supplying the weapons organized through Turkey and Jordan, Syria's neighbors. But the report added that as well as from Croatia, weapons came from several other European countries, including Britain, without specifying if they were British-supplied or British-procured arms. And it says British military advisors, uh, however, are, are known to be operating in countries bordering Syria alongside French and Americans, offering training to rebel leaders. We'll have to train them when the new weapons are given them too, you know, rocket launchers and all that, and former Syrian army officers. And it says the Americans are also believed to be providing training on securing chemical weapons sites inside Libya. Now, that's tucked in at the end to try and legitimize the underhanded methods they're using, you see. So, now let's put that. And that was the reason they went into Iraq, too. They used that, oh, weapons of mass destruction. And, of course, none were found. It doesn't matter, you see. As long as it, it doesn't matter, too, what comes out after the event, after they've won and slaughtered everybody and taken over. They don't care when it's all exposed because it's served its purpose. It's done. You see. And also, too, Pavlovian training is quite something else because FDR, who came into the U.S. into the White House, 
from Wall Street, of course, and hailed as a big, big hero by the left wing and the communists too. Many, many of the guys he brought in were card-carrying communists and his staff. But he also had to, to change America into not the, the, the old constitution, but into the, the New Deal. That's what he meant. And we'll touch on that when we come back from this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, talking about the system and getting back to FDR, of course, as I say, the whole idea was when he came in, it's going to be a new deal, a whole new way of living, socialism, basically, uh, which is just a slower form of communism. And, uh, and they really went to town then, training the public. They, again, they created the, a massive depression at the time too, to get them in. So they say, oh, we have to, we have to do something about this. So cause the problem, then you offer the solutions, of course. And you bring in socialism. And uh, then the bankers love it because it's a, don't forget FDR worked for Wall Street. And uh, they put him in there. And the media went to town and immediately put him up there as a great hero for some strange reason because they, they, make, they make idols of everybody they want to. It's very simple. By owning all the media, it's quite an easy thing to do. But anyway, his wife went off in the 30s to see her greatest, uh, the person she admired the most that was uh, Pavlov. And she met the guy and she says that she was just stunned by his massive intellect and, and how he was using not just experiments on, on the, the dogs and so on, which are horrible in themselves, but the fact he was using techniques on conditioned responses on the children at school. In other words, he was working heavily with the school system for indoctrination. But what they found out too, and she really thought this was fantastic, and she says when the children go to school in the mornings, they're not playing or pushing each other or laughing, but, but, they, but, they, but they're so orderly and well-behaved, she said. So she liked that orderly part, well-behaved. In other words, they were drab and, and just like we all are now under cameras and streets and so on. We know we're getting watched. So she thought it was fantastic and she'd bring that system to America and elsewhere too. So you have this authoritarian attitude and you also find too that the first, and Pavlov knew this too, the teachers, and Stalin said it and Lenin said it, the teachers, the police and the military must have the highest wages because you need them to keep control over the peasants, you see. And teachers are an invaluable tool, so, but they must get the, the, the biggest indoctrination, the teachers themselves in a Pavlovian sense, so that whatever, whatever silly things are taught to believe or report, they will. And it's actually happened, of course. And it's, that's also, too, they realized that a matriarchal system in the school system was far better because they experimented with male and, and, and female teachers, and they found that they had more compliance with women. When they're given a set of rules, they won't bend those rules for anything or any situation. Everything will be exactly the same, you see. They're sticklers for rules. So it goes overboard in this, these, day, these days because the same technique has been used in all teachers. It's even better than it used to be, the indoctrination process. And it says, a, a, Maryland, a Maryland state senator has crafted a bill to curb the zeal of public school officials who are tempted to suspend students as young as kindergarten for having things or talking about things or eating things that represent guns but aren't actually anything like real guns. Well, we all know that. That's what's called sanity, right? 
This is Senator Jai B. Jennings, a Republican who represents Baltimore, Harford counties, introduced the Reasonable School Discipline Act of 2013 on Thursday. It says, we really need to reevaluate how children are punished, Jennings told the Star. It says, these children can't comprehend what they're doing or the ramifications of their actions. Actually, they shouldn't be caring about the ramifications of their actions, because this story goes on to tell you what happened here. It says, these suspensions are going on in in their permanent records, right? And could have lasting effects on their education. It's not just education, it's, it's further beyond that, jobs and everything. A nationwide flurry of suspensions seemed to reach an absurd level recently when Josh Welsh, a second grader at Park Elementary School in Baltimore, Maryland, was suspended for two days because his teacher, his teacher, right, thought he shaped a strawberry pre-baked toaster pastry when he was chewing it into something that resembled a gun. Is she that stupid? Is she that stupid? But you see, she's been, she's been hyper-trained into, into this vigilance and paranoia to do with anything. So she's seeing them everywhere, obviously. And the, the, the young boy said, I just kept on biting it and biting it and tore off the top of it and it kind of looked like a gun, the seven-year-old told Fox News. But it wasn't, he astutely added. In other words, this guy is sane. He said it wasn't a gun. It was a, it was a, it's a cookie, for God's sake. The teacher's nuts. As recent hits and run blog noticed, Park Elementary School officials later offered counselling to other students who may have been traumatised by the pastry. This is the insanity. It is going to get a lot worse, by the way. Absolute insanity that happens when they bring this ridiculous pseudo-science, there's no science at all, called psychiatry, you see, into the school system. And you got into the history of psychiatry and see the real reasons for bringing it out. It wasn't for what you think it was. That's why Freud said he wasn't bringing help to Americans when he came to New York. On the, on the boat, he says, I'm bringing them the plague. It was to destroy the cultures that were. And elevates a new profession, a new priesthood, uh, up until a level where they could actually lock people away, just like they did in the Soviet Union. If they had the wrong opinion, the wrong one being their own opinion, which could be like this little boy here. He knew this wasn't a gun. I'm sure his classmates knew it wasn't a gun. And he probably well enjoyed chewing it, in fact. you know. But th- the damn teacher is so stupid and indoctrinated. She's a dangerous person. She's a dangerous one. As the Senate Bill 1058 restricts the disciplinary options Maryland public school officials can use for any student who brings to school or possesses an image of a gun or an object that might look like a gun but isn't one. Right? Students could also form their fingers in the shape of a gun without fear of reprisal. The bill also includes a section mandating counselling for school officials who fail to distinguish between guns and things that resemble guns. No kidding. School officials who fail to make uh, such a distinction more than once would face, well, they should see the psychiatrist, shouldn't they? But that's how hyped up they are. That's how hyped up they are. Well, this child, if, he, if he's chewed that and it might look like a gun, that the place remaining in that cookie there, then, then he might have problems down the road. Really? Really? This is how mad it all is. School used to be where you, you would go to learn the basic necessities to get through life and to get good employment and so on, or start your own business. Some countries are all to be employees, like Britain. They, they concentrate on teaching the masses to be employees. Other countries, that, like the U.S., that have more self-employed and so on. 
But uh, you didn't get indoctrination like this today, that you get today, I should say. It's just way overboard, but it's going to get a lot worse, folks, a lot worse. As, I mean, the cops are already shooting people, for God's sake, uh, when they think they've got a gun on them, stuff like that. It's getting worse and worse, and it's going to get worse, a lot worse. Also, this article, too, that this, I've read about this article a few times before, but he's the latest one on it. It says, the swine flu jab linked to sleep disorder fears one million children received the jab that can increase the risk of narcolepsy. And the pandemics and so on was the main vaccine used in the UK during the swine flu pandemic three years ago. Almost a million children were given this flu jab, which put them at an increased risk of the sleep disorder, narcolepsy. New research shows the pandemic's vaccine carries a 14-fold extra risk of triggering narcolepsy, in which sufferers can fall asleep suddenly and unexpectedly. This is for every 55,000 doses delivered, it's estimated around one child developed the condition. Well, they won't even know yet. But this is again uh, the, the age of science. Science was to be a tyranny, according to Bertrand Russell. A scientific dictatorship where you're taught by experts and you'll be experts. It says it would be tyrannical, but yeah, he was all in favor of it. Now in South Dakota, they've gone the opposite way with the teachers. It says South Dakota empowers school districts to arm teachers and other personnel with guns. So, this is uh, South Dakota Governor Dennis Dugard signed into law Friday a measure allowing the state school districts to arm teachers and other personnel for the first of its kind since the Connecticut uh, school shooting. Supporters say the new so-called uh, Sentinels could help prevent tragedies such, such as a December shooting at Sandy Hook. I hope they don't, the teachers don't pull their guns and some little boy eating a, you know, a cookie. Anyway, it says the bill's main sponsor, Rep. Scott Craig, uh, Republican Rapid City, said he started working with federal law enforcement officials in the measure early November, and the Connecticut tragedy six week, or weeks later only affirmed the rightness of the bill. So some are taking it a different way. Now, in this age, too, of massive transition, this is the age of transition, it's the century of change. And that's what, that's what they call it, the century of change. All the, the big plans that were, that were fomented 100 to 200 years ago for this world-type society by people you'll never elect still run the show today, the whole planet. And anything that resembled normalcy of any kind was an enemy to these people who were in charge of it and had to be destroyed. And it's gone so far now, it says the Queen has just signed the new charter backing gay rights. So she'll, she'll sign a new Commonwealth charter. This is, now, they keep saying that the old British Commonwealth is gone. It's not gone at all. It's anything but gone because the Queen uh, is still in charge of all the laws passed. And all these countries are still in the Commonwealth. The guys who set up the Royal Institute for International Affairs, like Lord, Lord Alfred Milner, um, was a guy who came up with it. It sounded better than the Dominion of Britain, you know, or England. Uh, they called it the Commonwealth. A British Commonwealth sounded better. But uh, they still dominated, yeah. Anyway, and it's going to also oppose discrimination suffered by women, gay people, and ethnic minorities, you see. In a special ceremony to mark Commonwealth Day on Monday, she'll also give a speech endorsing the new agreement which state signatories oppose all forms of discrimination whether rooted in gender, race, colour, creed, political beliefs, or other grounds. The word other grounds are said to refer to sexuality. However, any specific references to gay people are not included to avoid antagonising Commonwealth countries that retain laws against homosexuals. Mind you, they always say 
that there's only a few percent. It's probably growing today with all the estrogens are getting fed on purpose and all their foods and so on. But it's only about maybe 2% really are homosexual. But um, I think it's a lot bigger than the Queen's family myself. In fact, that whole class, uh, that's just the facts, folk. Anyway, since the Charter is the first time the Commonwealth has had a single document setting up the core values of the organization and the aspiration of its members. What is the aspiration of its members? These are the core values. And then they go up with the nonsense that we've never seen, like democracy. That affirms democracy, right? Human rights, international peace. Remember what the communists said, you know, that war is peace. Then peace actually meant the end of all opposition. And security as well as freedom of expression. You can't say what you want anymore. You can't do it. There's laws. So it's all nonsense. It's all lies, you see. And also contains a commitment to gender equality and women's empowerment. It was agreed by all Commonwealth heads of a government in December. Of course it is, because they're all handpicked by the Royal Institute of International Affairs. So, there you go. That's the future. Uh, the, the, I mentioned this, I think, last week too, that the Emir of Qatari buys six Greek islands for a song. Now, they've <laughs> destroyed Greece, and many other nations are in the process of being destroyed right now because of this wonderful EU Union that was designed to destroy them so they'll all be dependent on their central banking system that's now under the control of the European Central Bank, which is under the control of the Bank for International Settlements. Again, these these were all banks set up by the members of the Royal Institute of International Affairs. So he's bought them up for a song. It shows you the islands here. I put this article up tonight, and it's from The Guardian, actually. And it says uh, the suitor is one of the world's wealthiest men. Location happens to be the Eurozone's poorest country. Of course it is. Did they help the poor out? No, we just, you know, take your land away from you. But an unlikely coming together of economic circumstances, the Emir of Qatar, Hamad bin Khalifa Al-Tani, has opted to splash out eight and a half million euros, which is 7.35 million pounds on six idyllic isles in the Ion Sea. I think Israel also bought one as well. We can put an air base on it. So everybody's getting in there for peanuts and buying up... <laughs> Without asking the Greeks what they think, you know, it's uh, rather sad, isn't it? Because you see a lot more of this in different countries, and I mean even your own countries too. And this article too is about, again, this great um, thing that Karl Marx mentioned, the trading zones with its minor parliaments that would run all ex-nations, like the European Union. And the, the commission that runs the European Union is unelected at the very, very top. It's not democratic, but it says Europeans losing freedom to unelected people in Brussels. It says the Spanish have given up their political freedom to this concept of a European Union, which was a stupid thing to do. Last year in a poll, only Germany and Spain had the majority of people still thinking the European Union was a good idea. It says an analyst says that the Spaniards and several other European nations have lost their political freedom to a bunch of unelected people in Brussels. In the background of this, thousands of Spanish health workers have protested against record high unemployment in Spain, currently standing at above 26% official rates. They're arguing over the government's handling of the economic crisis and over corruption in governments. Of course it is, because you can understand the big boys aren't simply idealistic, they're crooks at the top. They have their idealistic vision of their future, where they are, <laughs> but they can pass laws, so whoever's illegal is legal for them. Like insider trading, they passed that in the U.S. for the Congress. 
So you're, you're, run, you're really run by private organizations. They were set up by the wealthiest people on the planet a hundred years ago. And this whole coming together for this world, glorious world, hands across the sea, uh, the global plantation, was dreamed up by them. And they covered everything through their think tanks. They have think tanks working on every aspect of your psychology, uh, genders, you name it, age groups, uh, and, and how to even get you ready for the things to come. It's, it's done subliminally most of the time for most folk. And <laughs> this is interesting too. It says, uh, China's actively counter- countering Western influence across Africa. And it's interesting because it was through uh, how China's heavily involved, of course, in, in, in Africa, but so is the U.S. too. And it says Washington recently announced that U.S. Army teams will be deployed to as many as 35 African nations in early 2013 for training programs and other operations as part of an increased Pentagon role in Africa, primarily to countries with groups allegedly linked to Al-Qaeda. In other words, when they plunder the whole Africa, you see, that's what's for. But it also... It says, uh, at a recently held meeting in the National People's Congress in Beijing, China's leaders unveiled a dramatic long-term plan. Now, they do 5, 10, 15, 50, 100-year plans. The United Nations does the same. The communists in the Soviet Union did the same thing when they were in power. And, and your governments are doing the same things too. A, a dramatic long-term plan to integrate some 400 million countryside dwellers in China into urban environments by concentrating growth-promoting development in small and medium-sized cities. And there was to get all the peasants, just like they did in Britain, at the start of the Industrial Revolution, off the land. Then they begin the corporate farmers only, the big boys, you know their names because they run your countries too. And then they've got all the workers to, to staff these massive factories that are springing up all over the place. 400 million countryside dwellers. They've already moved millions out in the, in the past few years. That's Agenda 21, folks out of the rural environments, into the cities. And you'll produce and produce until there's nothing left to produce and you die off. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watmer, cutting through the matrix and talking about the big system as it really speeds up now. And, and articles like this kind of tick you off in a sense because we've been talking about this for years, what's happening. And it says here, it says police militarization comes under nationwide investigation. The American Civil Liberties Union has launched a campaign to investigate the growing trend of placing militarized police units in cities and towns across the country. I mean, I've just noticed, right? Since doors busted down and windows smashed in, it's becoming more of a regular occurrence each day in America as heavily armed SWAT teams are being sent to the homes of suspects, often non-violent ones, with enough firepower to take down a small army. In November, a botch raid ended with an 18-year-old girl in the hospital. Other incidents haven't been exactly isolated either. Guns get drawn on both grannies and grandchildren alike, and equipping law enforcement officers with the means to make these nightmares become reality is easier by the day. Apart from that, they're brainwashed. And they love all these movies and stuff. And the whole generation, it's not just them. Everybody who watches these movies gets brainwashed in this stuff. It's intentional. That's what the entertainment industry is for. It's culture alteration and direction. Police units across the U.S. are becoming more like militaries than the serve and protect do-gooders than 
that, that every young uh, schoolboy wants to aspire to be. Not only are officers being trained to act with insensitivity as the number of these home invasions increase, but more and more police departments are being awarded arsenals. And aren't, aren't they ever? There's some arsenals of heavy-duty weaponry that are then being turned not onto members of Al-Qaeda, but innocent children and unsuspecting house guests. And apart from that, there have also been a lot of articles I've read over the years where they've killed the wrong people and gone, gone in the wrong apartments. And they get off with it, too. The ACLU affiliates across the U.S. filed Freedom of Information Act requests with law enforcement agencies on Wednesday in the hope of obtaining a much, uh, as much material as possible relevant to the ongoing expression of small-town police squads to heavily armed squadrons of soldiers. As his federal funding in the billions of dollars has allowed state and local police departments to gain access to weapons and tactics created for overseas combat theatres. Well, what do you think it's for at home, eh? As this and yet very little is known about exactly how many police departments have military weapons and training, how militarized the police have become, and how extensively federal money has incentivized this trend. This is a statement released by the ACLU. It's time to understand the true scope of the militarization of policing in America and the impact it's having in our neighborhoods. Well, I'd say it's pretty well there, and it's there for a, a, a reason. And they will use that reason when it's time. When it's time, they will use it. See, everything must change in the century of change. Everything. By whatever means possible, whatever it takes, they'll do it. That's the agenda. Order out of chaos means you've got to create utter chaos first, like little boys getting, getting, you know, taken in front of uh, cops and so on for chewing a biscuit, for God's sake. Huh? And it says, um, Equipping state and local law enforcement with military weapons and vehicles, military tactical training and actual military assistance to conduct traditional law enforcement road civil liberties and encourages increasingly aggressive policing, particularly in poor neighborhoods and the communities of color. It's more than just, it's happening everywhere though. It's happening everywhere. And as agenda, bring in the chaos, create the chaos and unleash the troops, the dogs of war, as they say. And remember, years ago, I remember reading an article where I think it said at the time that but 97% of police over a period of one year after 9-11 were coming right in from the military into the police forces. These are militarized guys. They're army guys. You don't turn armies. You don't put uniforms on the guys just straight from the army. You don't do it. You simply don't do it. That's the difference between what police are and the military happens to be. But there's a big agenda there, of course. From Hamish Marcella from Ontario, Canada, it's good night, me your God, or your gods go with you.